Which worms make the best gift wrappers? I don't, I don't know. know. What? Scotch tape worms. Scotch <laughs> 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 tape. It's time for the children's hour. Kids Public Radio. month on the children's hour this is an encore edition of our show recorded in 2022 andy mason from a cd called play it again my cat's got fleas right here on the children's hour i'm katie stone another happy day to be with all of you out in listener land and all these great kids on zoom hello everyone hello hello, Hi. Hi. hello. and who do we have with us today it's Andrea. Hi, it's Flo. Hi, it's Sonia. Hi, it's Ethan. Hi, it's Daniel. Hi, it's Luminata. Hi, it's Lily May. Hi, it's Beth. Hello, it's Amadeus. Hello, it's Lily. Hi, it's Gareth. 
thank you all for being here. And I'm so excited you are and that you weren't daunted by today's topic, which is parasites. Yes, we're going to be discussing those critters that live on other critters, and we're going to learn exactly what defines a parasite. And we'll find out how many are living on us right now. Stick with us. We're going to have two parasitologists with us on the show today, and you'll learn more than you ever knew about these amazing creatures. Coming up next, this is Artichoke. Might, might not live among the frets of this old guitar. And might, might not live inside the soles of my shoes. But they probably do. The mites live inside my guitar. And they might want to sing Along with every string Along with every string Might, might not Live among the hairs of your eyelashes And might, might not Feast upon the flakes of your skin But they probably do the mites live inside my guitar And they might wanna sing Along with every string Along with every string There is no need to be panicking Mites are not harmful Invisible eight-legged members of the spider Children's Hour, 
And with us on the show today are two people who have dedicated their lives to studying something that many of us find incredibly gross, but is necessary. They are parasitologists, and that means they study parasites. Welcome to the Children's Hour, Dr. Matt Bolick. Hello. Nice to meet everybody. Dr. Bolek is Associate Professor of Integrative Biology at the Oklahoma State University, and Dr. Sarah Bush, Associate Professor in the School of Biological Sciences at the University of Utah. Welcome to the Children's Hour. Hi, everyone. This is so much fun to be here. Dr. Bush is actually coming to us, everyone, from the Galapagos right now. And the Galapagos, go look at your world map. It's right off the coast of South America. Kind of where are you exactly? We're right on the equator. So hot, very hot. In the middle of the day, everybody takes a three-hour nap just because you can't go out in heat, which is, I'm all for that. Nice long lunch. Um, Yeah, we're about 800 kilometers off the coast of mainland Ecuador on small islands. Um, We're out here studying parasites that live on inside bird nests. In the nests. Interesting. Dr. Bullock, you're coming to us from Oklahoma. Talk a little bit about your specialty. So in our lab, we mainly study life cycles and transmission of parasites. So how parasites actually get onto their hosts and mostly variation, right? So we commonly, when you look at books and how people draw life cycles, they kind of draw them like wheels, right? That the parasite goes from one host to another host and they make these little circular drawings. But in fact, what we're interested in is the variation of how those parasites get transmitted between hosts. So some of the things we find out is that there's not just one wheel, but multiple wheels, and they use those different types of wheels to jump to different hosts, different species of hosts. And we do most of this work in amphibians and insects. What defines a parasite? Ah, great question. And people argue about that, you know, so... One part of of the definition is that there's an organism that lives in or on another host for at least part of its life cycle, not always the whole life cycle, but part of it. The other part of the definition, at least the way we define it, is that that parasite is somehow either metabolically or physiologically dependent on the host, right? So if it didn't have that host, it couldn't survive during that part of the life cycle. And then the last part, which can be a little bit controversial with some folks, is that it usually causes some sort of harm to the host, right? So you would say a parasite has to have a few things. It has to live on another living creature. It has to be somehow dependent upon living on that other creature or it would die. And the third piece is that Maybe it does some harm to that creature. All three of those equal a parasite? That's a great question. So some parasites have what's known as a broader host range. So they can live inside or on multiple species of hosts. And in some host species, they actually cause harm. While in another host species, they may not cause any harm. And the difficult part of this is I think that we don't really know where 
all the hosts that those parasites live on in nature because they haven't been sampled very well. And so it depends what association you kind of start studying, right? Sometimes there is this neat little amoeba that lives in reptiles called Entamoeba invidens. And when it lives in snakes inside of their intestines, it could actually get them sick and digest part of the intestine and the snakes can actually eventually die or at least lose nutrients because of that. But when it lives inside of turtles, it doesn't appear to do any harm to the turtle. But if you study both of those hosts and the parasites, then all of a sudden things become very interesting, right? And how do you define it depending where it's living? Are there creatures that live on other creatures that don't cause harm and actually are good for the other creature? Maybe you would call them mites or is there something like that? So I think if you're going to do your definition, a parasite lives on or in the host. It often lives on there for a long time and it causes harm. That's the crux of it. Here's the thing that's tricky is it depends on the circumstance. During some times of year, on some individuals and some species, those same organisms Maybe a parasite, or maybe they're a mutualist where they actually help the host, or a commensal where they don't do anything bad. And so trying to define those can be kind of tricky. You're listening to the Children's Hour. We're talking parasites, which turn out to be more complicated than we maybe were expecting. There's a lot more coming up. Stick with us. Just mice, just mice, not bites. If you treat it right, just mice, just mice. Sleep tight, right through the night. The dust mites, just mice, not bites. If you treat it right, dust mites, just mice, sleep tight. A dust mite is the smallest pet, but I don't care, it's all I could get. I saw its eyes through a microscope, they were filled with tears, they were filled with hope. Took her home and made her bed, but she would not lay down her tiny head. So I told her a tale of silly things, and she yawned and stretched and started to sing. I said, dust mites, just mites. Not bites, if you treat it right. Dust mites, just mites, sleep tight, right through the night. Dust mites, just mites, not bites, if you treat it right. Dust mites, just mites, sleep tight. Dust mite to the beach and parade her on her itsy leash. Chatting with the owners of the dogs and cats. Make sure they don't squash my dust mite flat. Hey baby dust mite, don't you fear? I love you for a million years. I love you till the end of time. Now go to bed and stop that crying. Dust mites, just mites, not bites. If you treat it right, dust mites, just mites, sleep tight right through the night. Dust mites, just mites, not bites. If you treat it right, dust mites, just mites. Sleep Just might, not bite. 
Spaghetti worms and meatballs. Spaghetti worms and meatballs. Spaghetti worms and meatballs. Spaghetti worms and meatballs. Down at the Wildlife Cafe. Spaghetti worms and meatballs. Spaghetti worms and meatballs. Spaghetti worms and meatballs. Spaghetti worms and meatballs. Down at the Wildlife Cafe. We've got monkeys eating mangoes. We've got rug worms in a stew. Honey too. We've got bags of fresh picked maggots, snack of hay, and a bale of oats. We've got something for the fishes, night crawlers, and some of those spaghetti worms and meatballs. Spaghetti worms and meatballs. Spaghetti worms and meatballs. Spaghetti worms and meatballs. Down at the Wildlife Cafe. Spaghetti worms and meatballs. Spaghetti worms and meatballs. Spaghetti worms and meatballs. Spaghetti worms and meatballs. Down at the Wildlife Cafe. We've got ants for our barks. We've got plasma for all fleas. We've got shoots for koalas. We've got nectar for the bees. We've got crispy chicken fingers. We've got golden chicken toes. We've got a big old helping of some fried up chicken nose. Spaghetti worms and meatballs. Spaghetti worms and meatballs. Spaghetti worms and meatballs. Spaghetti worms and meatballs. Down at the Wildlife Cafe. Got spaghetti worms and meatballs. Spaghetti worms and meatballs. Spaghetti worms and meatballs. Spaghetti worms and meatballs. Down at the Wildlife Cafe. You can get anything you want at Hannah's Wildlife Cafe. Yes, sir. Now you can get anything you want at Hannah's Wildlife Cafe. Except for Hannah. Except for Hannah's Wildlife Cafe. Brent Lewis in the background from a CD called Monkey Hip Gumbo and Mothball Stew. And before that, you heard Spaghetti Worms and Meatballs. That's Yossi from a CD called What's Eatin' Yossi? More Please is the name of the release by Casper Baby Pants that had the Dust Mite song. You're listening to the Children's Hour, and today we're talking with two parasitologists about parasites. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. Don't go anywhere. This is the Children's Hour. You're listening to the Children's Hour, Kids Public Radio. We'll be right back. The New Mexico Department of Cultural Affairs supports the Children's Hour. Their Wonder on Wheels, Wow! Mobile Museum is visiting New Mexico libraries this summer with crafts, music, puppets, and summer reading programs. Learn more about Wonder on Wheels at NewMexicoCulture.org. Electric Playhouse supports the Children's Hour. Find your play at Electric Playhouse in Albuquerque, New Mexico. It's fun for kids and adults who want to play like a kid again. Featuring 16 interactive spaces with constantly rotating games and a full restaurant. 
Families can play and dine at Electric Playhouse. Tickets and investment opportunities at electricplayhouse.com. The Children's Hour is supported by the New Mexico Humanities Council. Since 1972, NMHC has sought to engage New Mexicans with history, culture, and diverse humanities topics. But it gave frosted highlights to women with burns when they ate all their worms. Good main choruses, they're not so great for dessert. Diet. 
Diet of Worms is Gunnar Madsen from an oldie but goodie called I Am Your Food and would not recommend a diet of worms, uh, actually. We are talking parasites today on the Children's Hour with Dr. Matt Bullock. He's an associate professor of integrative biology at the Oklahoma State University and Dr. Sarah Bush, an assistant professor in the School of Biological Sciences at the University of Utah. The kids have a lot more questions. Are bacteria parasites? That's a really good question. We have things you've probably heard about a lot lately, like COVID, which is a virus, and you probably hear about that as a pathogen. But there's really no biological difference between pathogens and parasites, except for pathogens are really small. So if we think about them as a biologist or thinking of, about how they evolve, it's the same kind of thing. How do parasites reproduce? You know, in terms of transmission and life cycles, the way we study, right, it's really hard for a parasite to get into a host. They're very little. They can't run. They can't fly. They can't chase a host down, right? So one of the, what people think is an adaptation to being parasitic and living in another animal or plant is that you produce lots and lots of babies, right? And that way you can get some of those babies to get into a host when they bump into them, or they do this weird host manipulation behavior stuff Dr. Bush was talking about. But yeah, they usually produce lots and lots of offspring and sometimes in multiple hosts, right? That they keep amplifying themselves. And sometimes that's why they cause disease because there's so many of those stages in a host. And when they start dying, our immune system reacts to that and says, oh, oh that's bad stuff, right? And, and we have some of the diseases outcomes from that. Hmm. And Dr. Bush, you were getting into this a little. It's important to distinguish a parasite from like a virus that gets in us. Is a virus a kind of parasite? What's the difference? Whoever you talk to is going to give you a different answer. But I like to think of viruses. I mean, they're going to tell you that they're a pathogen, but pathogens really are just small parasites. And viruses evolve. Some biologists will even ask you whether or not viruses are alive. But as we've all seen with coronavirus over these last two years, um, we see that it evolves in response to infecting people, it changes its genetic composition, and it becomes more virulent, it makes people more sick or less sick, depending on um, 
kind of the environment that it's in and how it's moving between individuals. So, yeah, I, I think we can think of these all broadly as parasites. And what I thought was interesting about viruses and even coronavirus and all viruses really is it seems like as they go around and evolve and evolve, they figure out they better not kill their host. Because if they kill their host, then they don't have anywhere to go and they die too. So viruses clearly have to like keep their hosts alive. Is that right? Is that better for parasites of all kinds to like not kill your host? So there was this idea that parasites always evolve to be kind to their host because the host will die. But that's not how it works at all. What happens is all organisms are evolving and the ones that have offspring or grandkids, whether they're parasite grandkids or host grandkids, the ones that have the most over time are the ones that are going to still be around. And so those genes get passed from generation to generation. And sometimes for a parasite, it's better to move really fast through a host. And sometimes that makes the host really sick. And sometimes it's better just to make lots and lots of babies and spread them out. And maybe the host doesn't even know it's parasitized at all. Imagine a tapeworm and a whale, right? They release hundreds of thousands of eggs every day and the whale probably never even knows it. Mm, Dr. Sarah Bush. She is an associate professor from the School of Biological Sciences at the University of Utah and a parasitologist right now in the Galapagos, but speaking with us on Zoom and our crew. We're going to be right back. You're listening to the Children's Hour. Virus! 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 I'm 
That's one state I'm never in Because I know that I've got millions upon millions Of tiny one-celled organisms living on my skin I will rinse scrub until my flesh is raw and bleeding But they just come right back again Can't even see them, but I know they're up to something Hey, don't touch that, you don't know where it's been They're all over me, they're inside of me Can't get them off of me
From the CD Running with Scissors, that's Weird Al Yankovic with Germs. And Virus is by a band out of New Zealand called Fleabite. You're listening to the Children's Hour. We're talking parasites with Dr. Matt Bolick and Dr. Sarah Bush. And there's so much more to learn. While scientists agree that viruses are parasites, scientists don't necessarily agree that viruses are alive. I don't know. I think the jury is still out. That means I think it's undecided in the realm of science. But unlike Weird Al, you don't want to spray yourself with Lysol or wipe yourself with wipes. You really just want to wash your hands a lot. And that not only gets rid of the sticky stuff, it washes off the unwanted germs and viruses. You're listening to the Children's Hour. We've got more with Dr. Matt Bolek and Dr. Sarah Bush on Parasites. Let's get clean! Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands clean. Wash your hands, wash your hands, and get the germs off me. Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands clean. Wash your hands, wash your hands, and let's be virus free. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands clean. Wash your hands, wash your hands, and get the germs off me. Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands clean. Wash your hands, wash your hands, and let's be virus free. You're listening to the Children's Hour, Kids Public Radio. We'll be right back. United Way of North Central New Mexico supports the Children's Hour. Outpost Performance Space in Albuquerque, New Mexico is a proud supporter of the Children's Hour. The Children's Hour is supported in part by an award from New Mexico Arts, a division of the New Mexico Department of Cultural Affairs, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Support for the Children's Hour is also provided by the City of Albuquerque's Cultural Services Department and the Urban Enhancement Trust Fund. Token Ibis is a supporter of the Children's Hour. At Token Ibis, they know that philanthropy doesn't need more money, it needs more people. Users can direct Token Ibis money towards their favorite New Mexico nonprofits. Learn more and sign up at tokenibis.org. I like all of the podcasts because they help me learn a lot. I'm Brooklyn Elder from Albuquerque. Find hundreds of educational podcasts at childrenshour.org or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Look for The Children's Hour. Hi there, this is David Dog Grisman and you're listening to The Children's Hour, Kids Public Radio. Bugs on me. There ain't no bugs on me. There may be bugs. 
bugs on the rest of you mugs, but there ain't no bugs on me. Well, a bullfrog sitting on a lily pad, looking up at the sky. The lily pad broke and the frog fell in. He got water all in his eyeball. There ain't no bugs on me. There ain't no bugs on me. There may be bugs on some of you mugs, but there ain't no bugs on me. Mosquito, he fly Mosquito, he fly low The old mosquito lands on me Well, he ain't gonna fly no more Oh, there ain't no bugs on me There ain't no bugs on me There may be bugs on the rest of you mugs But there ain't no bugs on me Some of you mobsters, but there ain't no lobsters on me. Oh, it ain't gonna rain no more, no more. It ain't gonna rain no more. How in the heck can I wash my neck when it ain't gonna rain no more? Oh, it ain't gonna rain no more, no more. It ain't gonna rain no more. How in the hell can the old folks tell that it ain't gonna rain no more? Oh, there ain't no bugs on me. There ain't no bugs on me. There may be bugs on some of you mugs, but there ain't no bugs on me. Jerry Garcia and David Grisman from an old ebook goodie called Not for Kids Only. 
And over the break, you heard Marlon Magdalena. That was recorded on the Children's Hour at a live show from the New Mexico Center for Archaeological Research. Also over the break, Krakatoa brought us Crawling Down Walls. Wash Your Hands, the remix was The Happy Racers. You're listening to the Children's Hour. Today on the show are Dr. Matt Bullock and Dr. Sarah Bush. They're both parasitologists, and we certainly have a lot more questions for them. Do parasites live everywhere? The argument is that if you kind of consider all species on Earth, most of those have a parasitic life cycle in terms of percentages. You know, for a while, people used to argue that more than 50% of all living organisms are parasitic at some stage in their life cycle. Uh, Now, to be honest, we actually don't know for, you know, 99.9% of those if they're actually has have a negative effect on their hosts, right? So they're very common. We can say that for sure, right? And every organism, you know, every vertebrate, every plant species that has been examined in large enough numbers has been found to be infected with some sort of organisms that live in or on it. And, you know, going back a little bit to Sarah's comment about, you know, how you define viruses and parasites, the other really complicated issue with, you know, are they going to become, you know, less pathogenic to their host or more pathogenic is that we tend to think as humans that parasites evolve with one species of host and that's where they stay, right? But parasites can also infect other hosts. They're not always very host-specific. And when we find those associations, we have no idea when they got together, right? So it could have been, you know, a million years ago and they've had a million years of evolving together, right? Or they could have got together 300 years ago and that relationship has not stabilized yet, you know, or one of the hosts has evolved more or or less, you know, in terms of some of the interactions they had with that parasite. So how long do parasites typically live and what can cause them to die? Yeah, great question. Uh, It depends on the parasite. Some of the worms we work on usually live for about a year in in their hosts, at least in frogs. And some parasites can live for, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It depends really kind of, again, on the relationship. And I probably, we don't really have much data on this, but when they can get transmitted to the next host in the life cycle, right? So some parasites, there's trematodes in ducks, that are very, very pathogenic. They live in the intestine, but, and they get them by eating little crustaceans that have the cyst stages. Once they get into a duck, they only live as adult for four or five days, and then they die off. But in that time, they could destroy the whole intestine. Same kind of group of parasites in a frog that lives in the lungs can live for a year. You know, so it varies. And same kind of group of parasites that live in the blood of humans, schistosomes, can live for 20, 30 years. So it varies. It depends, again, on that association and what hosts and what animals and probably, you know, how they evolve to get transmitted. What parasites can go to humans? So there's this worm called guinea worm. It's also called fireworm. And it's a long tapeworm that can get inside humans and it can grow to be a meter long. 
And when the worm is ready to lay its eggs, it creates this blister on your leg. And it's a really hot blister. This is why they call it fire worm. When your foot is really hot, what do you want to do, right? You want to put it in something cold. So people will go and put it in cold water. This is exactly what the worm needs. It releases its eggs into the water where it has the next part of its life cycle where it goes through some arthropods in the water or crustaceans in the water that are called copepods. And then it develops in that. And then people get sick and get this worm again if they drink the water. So it's really easy to prevent getting this if you filter your water. It doesn't even have to be a very fine filter. Even just pouring it through a t-shirt can help you from getting it. And so this species is almost extinct. They've been people educating people on how to get rid of it by just drinking clean water. But it's been around for a long time. The ancient Egyptians had it. And if you've seen the symbol of medicine where there's a worm wrapped around a string, a lot of the ways that they used to get rid of this tapeworm were to gradually cut a little hole in the leg and start wrapping this worm gradually, just a few inches every day, and winding it on the string until they got the entire worm. Because if you killed the worm before you got it out, it would make your whole leg burn really hot. And that would be pretty miserable. So some people think that that symbol for medicine is actually from this parasite. Very interesting. But the good news about the guinea worm is that it might sound scary to catch, but medical experts have been working so hard on this for decades to get rid of this particular worm, and they're nearly done with it. In the 1980s, around 40 years ago, Doctors treated about 3.5 million cases across the world in 20 countries. But in 2020, just two years ago, only 27 were found in just four African countries. So if that worm sounds as gross to you as it does to me, you don't have to worry. We're all pretty safe from getting it. There's a lot more to learn about parasites. You can find information at our website, childrenshour.org. Look for this episode, Parasites. We're going to go out with one more. This is Daniel Kahn and the Painted Bird. We'll catch you next time for another edition of the Children's Hour. Nature has a way of really touching you inside. It's a lesson everyone must learn. It ain't no use to try to run away or try to hide. Everyone must finally take a turn You may be a person who believes it is your right To be free and independent to the core But once you learn the ways of these exotic parasites You'll see that independence is a bore Toxoplasma gondi is a microscopic bug all its genius in its genes It may be on your fingers or the fibers of your rug But to this bug there's more than it may seem When toxoplasma gets inside the system of a mouse It doesn't make him feel that he's unwell It gives the mouse the energy to run around the house And not detect the prowling feline smell in fact, it makes the mouse become attracted to the cat He doesn't show a single sign of fright 
For Toxoplasma seems to know precisely where it's at It is a very cunning parasite The cat then turns the mouse into a ghost And Toxoplasma joins its natural host The cat Now you are living as a parasite can make a living off another's life when you are living as a parasite. Lancet liver fluke lives in the liver of a cow And lays its eggs inside the cow's manure And there it starts an odyssey which somehow will allow This tiny worm to work its way back to her The fluke-infested feces is then eaten by a snail Who turns the larval worm into a cyst Excreted by the mollusk in a slimy yellow trail But the snail is only first on this fluke's list The adolescent fluke worm is then eaten by an ant And it lives a while an independent worm But then it does a special thing that other insects can't It infiltrates a group of the ant's nerves The ant then spends its daily life as normal as before Working in the colony all day but every night, the parasite residing at its core Manipulates it in the strangest ways By the moon, the ant will climb the tallest blade of grass And sink its mandibles into the tip And there he will be paralyzed until the night has passed When back into the colony he'll slip And this will happen every single night Until a chewing cow will come to bite Or the emerald cockroach wasp Is famous for her reproductive ways For when she has a common household cockroach in her grasp She sinks her stinger twice into her prey The first attack will paralyze the roach's frontal legs The second one goes straight into its brain For if the wasp's to have a nesting place to lay her eggs The roach mustn't respond to any pain the venom doesn't kill the roach, but incapacitates The nerves that tell his body to retreat And since the wasp has killed the roach's instincts to escape She takes a roach antenna as a leash She leads it to her burrow, she climbs upon the roach And lays an egg upon its abdomen The larva chews its way into its docile captive host And feasts upon the organs there within the roach will stay alive another week until the worm can spin its own cocoon and climb inside. 
And in about a month, the larva worm has finally turned into a wasp who leaves its host and flies. And so the natural cycle is complete. So who says reproduction isn't sweet? The Children's Hour is produced by the Children's Hour Incorporated, a New Mexico nonprofit. Our show was written by Katie Stone with lots of help from all of us on the kids' crew. You can find photos, links, learn along guides, and more about us at childrenshour.org. Many thanks to Dr. Matt Bolick and Dr. Sarah Bush for being with us on the show today. Thanks also to Christina Stella, who provided production support. Find our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts or go to our patreon.com slash the children's hour. Or ask your smart speaker to play the children's hour podcast. We post our photos and more on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Find us at TCH Radio. Our theme music was written by C.K. Barlow. The Children's Hour is distributed by PRX, the Public Radio Exchange, and by the Pacifica Radio Network. Thanks for listening to the Children's Hour, Kids Public Radio.